good morning, afternoon, or evening, whatever time it is, wherever you're coming from, Cowboys Nation, you know what to do. Lend me your ears. This is the Starboys Podcast. And today we got a very special show for you, a special Christmas edition. Uh, we're going to dive into a lot of things. And uh, you can find out the full show. Uh, that will be up on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Uh, but today we're going to talk a little bit about team culture versus team tank. Also, a little later on in the show, we got uh, my neighbor, actually, Small World. Small World, man. Twitter, Twitter's crazy. Found, found my guy, uh, Kevin Martinez, right down the street from me. Um, and he was actually on an episode of uh, We the Fans for the Cowboys. And uh, his story is amazing. Of course, uh, he dealt with uh, Hurricane Harvey and all that uh, went into that. So amazing story. Make sure you go check that out. Also, uh, with Kevin, we got Dak contract hater James Singleton. Uh, so we're going to be discussing Dak's Prescott, whether we should or should not sign him. Uh, obviously, you know, you know where I lie on that. So it's a pretty good debate. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, as well as later on in the show, we're also going to have uh, David Ostrowski on. Uh, and he's going to be discussing his book, Pro Sports in 1993. It's a damn good book, especially the Cowboys chapter. If you're into um, the old 90s teams and, and everything that that did for us and creating our culture, uh, make sure that you uh, maybe add that to your Christmas list of things to buy. That's Pro Sports in 1993. So definitely check that out. Uh, but first and foremost, man, you know what? Merry Christmas, first off. Merry Christmas to every single one of you. Uh, I hope that you're going to have an amazing Christmas with your families and your friends. I hope you enjoy it. I hope you spend your holidays uh, not losing your minds, uh, because that's what I've done most of this holiday. Um, and I, I'm, you know, I'm in a little bit of Grinch mode, but it's all right. It's all right. Today, I feel very giving. Today, I feel very giving and uh but from me to you and your family uh merry christmas from this jolliest asshole on this side of uh, southeast texas so let's dive into first and foremost team culture versus team tank a lot of things that we can discuss in the, and you know what there, there is there is an argument for both sides and I lie somewhere in the middle, but we're going to get to that. First, mm, team culture. Team culture. Team culture. Team culture says it sends a message to the young guys. All right. It sends a message, uh, creates that winning culture. We want to be uh, a winning team and we don't want to send a bad message to these guys. So we want to go out there and win and no one wants to lose. And who knows? We get into the playoffs, we may make a run. Nobody gives a damn about draft picks. And then on the other side, you have Team Tank. Hey, man, we want to be in a good position to draft a better player. Because you never know, the higher you are, the opportunity, bigger opportunity you have to land a better player. Season is really meaningless anyway, especially since Dak went down. Um... Also, with that pick, you can trade and potentially pick up more picks because this team has so many holes to fill. We want those options. 
And if we make it to the playoffs, we're going to get crushed in the first round any damn way. So does it even matter? Now lies me somewhere right there in the middle. I love this team. I love this team. I want them to win. I want to see them do well. I want to see them shine. I love to feel. It feels good having that win, man. It feels good to watch your watch your guys go out there and put on a, a damn good show, do a hell of a job, grow as a team, grow as a unit. I love that. I love that. I I I, I don't want this team to lose. However, in this situation, I believe we went from after the win on the 49ers, we went from fourth, fifth spot to roughly eighth, ninth spot. Pretty big change. And to me, I'm a little bit disappointed about it. I enjoyed beating the 49ers. I enjoy a good win. I think we did a hell of a job. We we looked really good on all sides. But at the same time, I'm also aware that we played a really, really banged up 49ers team who uh, I believe is, is a little bit actually ahead of us as far as the amount of players that they have injured, roughly, shortly. And before that, we played the Bengals, which is also a really, really beat up team. Uh, they are not a good team. And then the next two weeks, we have the Philadelphia Eagles, which played a damn good game, uh, surprisingly, uh, against the Cardinals. And just barely lost. And then we play a New York Giants team who, a week ago, managed to beat the Pittsburgh Steelers. So it's interesting. It's interesting. I'm not sold completely on how much this team has grown. Uh, I, I do, again, I think there is growth uh, that we are we are seeing, but how much? How much when you're going out there and you're playing, our second string is playing against your second string. That's kind of where we are. And granted, again, the growth is good for any time, any place, anywhere. I, I take the growth. I love it. But would I rather be in a position where I have the opportunity to draft a game-changing defensive player, which notably this draft is going to have a lot of offensive power, especially towards the beginning of the draft, and that's another argument there for team culture. Um, but I can also say to that that because it has so much high offensive power, there are some teams who are going to want that, need it, have to have it, especially when it comes to quarterbacks. So they may be trying to make a phone call, try and hit up old good old Jerry and uh, see if a trade is possible. And then we end up with more draft pick again, filling more holes for this team, especially on this defensive side of the ball. And, um, you know, you can argue either way. You really can. You can argue either way. Me, personally, I would rather have the higher draft pick. I don't think that we are proving too much to ourselves, to our team. And quite frankly, it's a little bit scary to me for the fact that we may actually decide 
to keep some of these players based on their end of the year performance when they know everything is on the line. They know they've had awful showings during the season and maybe, just maybe, this actually encourages us to sign them and keep them on the team when the product that has been out there has been awful. Now for young guys, I love it. I love seeing Gallimore step up and just being brilliant and being the defensive tackle that we've needed. I'm excited for, for special teams players. I'm excited for Diggs to be back in there. I'm, I'm excited for Pollard to get some touches and some carries and look good. This young wide receiver group to continue to shine and goddamn if they don't look amazing. I'm very happy about that. But I don't know that I wouldn't rather be in a situation where we could improve our team based on where we are drafting. Because that's not just where you're drafting in the first round. That's where you're drafting through all the rounds. It's better all the way around. But, again, I'm in the middle. I, I hate I hate the debate. I hate the argument. Um... You want to see you want to see uh, more from your team, but you also kind of want to get some better damn draft picks. Jerry may mess it up all anyway. We don't know. We don't know. He may land something really good. It may change the entire outcome of this team, and then we're in a completely different position. So of course you can see. Also, I am wearing the uh, the Mike Tag T-shirt. And it's been a long time coming. Sorry about that, Mike. But huge shout out to Mike, man. Um, you're my guy. Make sure that you support all of your local and smaller content creators. This guy is amazing. Comes in, comes with support each and every week, whether we're good, whether we're bad. Um, I love it. I love it. So make sure to give him a follow. He does a lot of hype tapes, and I love it. That is Mike Tag at Mike Tag 1993. So make sure that you check him out as well. Uh, great content creator, and we can I can go down the list of all the guys, but make sure you show some love and support for these guys, man. And now it's time for an ad brought to you by Anchor FM. All right, Cowboys Nation. So now we got my neighbor. Kevin Martinez, like a good neighbor, Kevin Martinez is there. And we got James Singleton, Dak Contractator. Boo this man. Boo! On the show to talk about Dak Prescott's contract and whether we should or should not sign him. Let, 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 let's, let's get it on because there seems to be a big disconnect in our fan base about whether the pay... Mr. Prescott or not, I, I want to listen to the argument uh, to where you guys think this organization is in a position to spend 38 to $40 million over five years on a quarterback who has not shown to me and a bunch of other folks that uh, not only is he, is, he, is he not elite enough to warrant that kind of, of, you know, of payday, uh, it's going to almost cripple this organization in terms of being able to get better because they suck ass on defense <laughs> and we all know it. 
Yeah, uh, hey, no doubt, hey, no tell doubt. Us how you really feel? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey. I mean, look, we, I, I look, I, I think we're all passionate, you, you know, Cowboys fans. So we just sit on two opposite sides of the aisle. So tell me the perspective. I, you know, look, man, I'm listening to you, cats. Yeah, man. Uh, well, for me personally, um, I, I don't know, man. I, I'm watching this dude's game. I'm watching him grow consistently every year. So, you know, some of the quarterbacks names that you have thrown at me that were on rookie deals and, and did well with their teams. Uh, I believe you threw Watson out there. Um, you threw Herbert out there, which I mean, I think it's a little soon for Herbert. And I think really to me Watson has been like always kind of the grading scale with grading Dak because you see the potential in watching you, you you see what he has but you know he also has like terrible coaching and offensive line problems and um I'm not saying that that's I'm not making excuses because we have had a solid team for the most part but there have been issues let's not act like there hasn't been issues with coaching on our end either with JG and all the bullshit that we went through with him so uh with with Watson that's kind of my grading scale because I do think he's a good quarterback but again what has he done what has he done for that organization yeah you you can go back and blame on the team or whatever you want. But goddamn, he had also had DeAndre Hopkins out there and Will Fuller when he was healthy. And I mean, you've got damn near the best wide receiver in the game and you're still not able to make it to a Super Bowl. I mean, so, and now he's signed to a huge contract and that's kind of the standard. That's the bar that's set for Dak because I don't think he's going to get Mahomes money, but I think that, Watson money I think he's on pace with that and to me it's it's been the same thing yeah you you get a little bit into the playoffs the same thing with Dak and then you know other than with with 2016 I feel like obviously came in as a rookie and kind of shocked the world uh, I think we were all kind of maybe getting a little bit of big men vibes from him and and we all kind of saw the talent there and you know let's let's give credit where credit's due Zeke owned the league that year I mean he came in as a beast and, you know, you had Dak basically as a helping hand at that point in time. But my thing with him is you continuously see the growth. I mean, it's it's every year he's getting better. So it all depends, guys, on what angle, you know, we want to look at this thing. And look, we're, you know, again, I know we're, we're you know, we're all passionate about the team. But here, here's here's a couple of angles for you. This is never going to be an apples to apples comparison. Um, because every quarterback is going to be skewed by their organization and their, you know, their coaching and, 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 and the, the resources or the weapons they got around them. Right. So that's where I think this, this, uh, this argument stems from is trying to compare another quarterback to another quarterback and, and using raw stats. I, we have all watched Dak in every game. So the first point I'm going to disagree uh, when you say, uh, the logic for paying him, there needs to be a standard here, but your logic or that you just stated for paying a guy like that is that you've seen consistent growth, okay? Yeah. One, I don't agree with that, right? 2016, oh. the guy came out. I don't agree with it at all. His second year where, you know, we all say sophomore slump, he sucked, right? His, he, there was no consistent growth. He didn't get better and didn't build off of the momentum from 2016. He regressed. We got to look. We have to fundamentally agree on that. You go from his second year to his third year. Here's the frustrating part from, for, you know, again, from my perspective with Dak Prescott. 
I can deal with the second year. What I can't deal with is the third year in, in, in the first half of 2018, where the organization clearly said, okay, we're going to try, you, you know, if you want to go apples to apples, look at Russell Wilson. I think it's sort of the same uh, parallel. Well, you just said we're not doing that, formula, though. No, no. Okay, but what, but at uh-huh. some point we have to. No, we can look at and keep this on deck from the second year to the third year, where this organization clearly tried to put this thing on Dak Prescott's back. He continued to be inconsistent, right, and and not show that. To me, there you got to look at if you're going to pay a guy because he's elite. And Dak Prescott, again, guys, if this argument would be different for me, if Dak Prescott was looking for top 10 money. Totally different argument. Dak Prescott last year, from all accounts, was looking to be top market quarterback elite money. He was looking to be the second or third highest paid quarterback, which means second or highest third highest paid player in the NFL. To me, when you start talking about that type of money and that type of get or want, that means you better be able to do some elite shit. Some shit that I see only two or three people do, and Dak Prescott hasn't shown me that. I've asked repeatedly, tell me his top elite quarterback skill. He is tell it to the, me. Is it accuracy? He is, is it arm the, talent? He is one of the best fucking accurate deep ball passers in the league. Like, in the entire no, league. No, bro. Bro, look no, it up. No, bro. Oh. Oh, and you're talking shit. about 2018. Oh, hold on, oh, hold on. Here we go. Hold on, hold on, hold on. You with some PFF bullshit. <laughs> no, nah, that's not PFF, bro. bro. Uh-uh. That's See, some real that's shit. You. And you're, I think wait, that's hold on. the first. Uh, go ahead. I think that's the first thing. I think the the fans, pe- people that people that uh, aren't in favor of uh, giving Dak the giving Dak the contract that that he he's seeking. That's always the uh, that's always the first uh, limb they they reach for is that is that accuracy limb and and I, i'll i'll be the first to admit uh there's been times i'm not gonna lie there's been times where i'm sitting here cussing him out when he throws off his when he throws off his back foot to somebody running wide open across the middle you know and uh i just i think he i think his accuracy has gotten better over the you know past couple of years i think it's uh i'm not sure it's where it needs to be as uh you know as far as him being our quarterback going forward but i'll say this uh i'm not ready to find out what the alternative is to not having having him as our quarterback next year okay so we agree and again remember what i said and, and, and look guys this isn't about a guy who you can win with we can clearly win with Dak prescott and i'm not going to get on here with you guys and again i can separate and that's where i think you know we get into trouble I, I, I am a fan of the organization, and we want to see the organization win. I don't root for individual players to get the bag because if you getting the bag means that you're going to keep my team from being able to, you know, to win, I ain't for it. If you're getting the bag, that means that you have consistently not in – look, these guys are all NFL players, right? And an NFL player is an elite-level athlete. Dak Prescott is a great athlete. He, by all accounts, he seems to be a good dude. He seems to be tough. He has some intangibles you can win with. But guys, what I'm talking about is removing the emotion from this thing and saying, and simply looking at it and saying, okay, with the pieces Dallas have acquired, is he the reason? 
at quarterback position, does he allow for you? Does he make you clean? Can he overcome bad coaching on days? Can he overcome the lack of, of elite level talent being around him? Is he still going to ball out for you? And again, guys, we got away from that argument that you started out on is that I've seen consistent growth. I haven't because when Dak Prescott did not have Tyrone Smith um, um, uh, at, at left tackle, I saw horrific um, uh, performance from him where he didn't have a receiver. And here was the narrative that we were fed. It, and again, hold on now. Hold on. Let me finish. Let me finish. Right. Um, what I have seen from other elite level and guys, I think here's the argument. Aaron Rodgers is a bad man. Russell Wilson is a bad man. Okay. Um, um, Mahomes in Kansas City is, is a bad man. Whatever you put around them, they make flourish. Whether it was a an undrafted piece, I, I, I did the same thing with Drew Brees, but these guys are getting long in the tooth. Um, but those guys, no matter what you rolled out, they made your organization clean, and that offense, that offense rolled without fail. Dak Prescott, when we didn't have Amari Cooper, this organization was forced to go out and get him Amari Cooper in 2018 because we could not consistently thrive in the passing game. I sat here and threw shit at my TV night or week after week because of the inconsistent, not sporadic, and sporadic in pieces that performed. But we're talking about a guy who wants elite money. What I'm looking for is consistently, right? Every now and again, are you going to have an off game? Yeah, we see that from Mahomes and Rodgers. But in a big picture not in a vacuum, what we see week in, week out from those elite-level players, okay, is that they get us clean. That offense is scoring 30-some-odd points every week no matter what's missing. Dak Prescott doesn't show me that. So to me, the argument for me is that if you're not going to consistently perform without having to have perfect coach, coaching, perfect, perfect scheme, and elite-level talent around you, then you're not just a guy, but you don't, you, you're not a quarterback that should get paid elite level money to where you we're not going to be able to afford having an all-star left tackle and an all-star, you know, an all-star guard and wide receivers and running back. Goddamn guys. What more do you want to give the guy? What more do you want to give him? The only team guys, and I'm sorry, I'll shut up after this. The Are only team <laughs> offensively on paper that you can say matches the level of talent that Dak Prescott has is the Kansas City Chiefs. But you know what I see from the Kansas City Chiefs that I don't see from the Dallas Cowboys is, and by the way, I'm not one of those guys A that puts wins and losses really on the quarterback's shoulders. I'm looking at how the quarterback, the, how does the quarterback perform, period. If you lose and the quarterback, and I, in my mind, guys, I watch Tony Romo, and I watch Tony Romo put up points year after year and still lose. I say, you know what, Tony Romo, you did your fucking job, bro. You did your job. You scored 30, you know, 27 plus points every week. And if we still lost, that's on your defense and the coach. What do you think happened we was this losing year, games with Dak Prescott with this elite talent? And what do you mean by elite level talent? You're talking about you're talking about Dak Prescott being without Tyron Smith. When he was in without Tyron Smith, he couldn't keep from off the ground. You saw the backup problems that we had. What what how do you think he's not supposed to strive? without his starting Pro Bowl left tackle. That's 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 crazy to me. And then you're compar you're comparing Allen Hearns to to who? To Tyreek Hill? You're comparing Allen Hearns to Tyler Lockett? Come on, man. That's not even close. Let's are you kidding? You gotta be kidding. You gotta be playing.
And Dak was putting up numbers. You see, he was putting up 30 like Romo. The exact same thing happened this year. Uh, oh, oh, okay, you want to talk about on, this bro. year? Oh, yeah, okay. let's do it. Come oh, on, let's I, talk. I'm going to let you go ahead and get that. I'm going to let you get it. Okay, <laughs> look, 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 you ready? Last yeah. year, what did we see the first three games? We saw Dak come out against the Dolphins and against these shit teams, and he was balling. He was he put up 30 points and everybody was like, oh, team 40 burger. Here we come. We got to the tough part of the schedule. We start playing the Saints. We start playing the Bills. We start playing the Patriots. We start playing Chicago and we got our ass handed to us offensively. So me, hey, that's got that press got 38 million goddamn dollars. Are you high? No way. No way. <laughs> Look, man, no way. they were right to fuck it. They they were right to tag him. They were right to tag him. I I was I was teamed. I didn't really one hundred percent want to sign him. He might get he might get tagged again. I see. I'll I, agree that's with you that they money. were right to tag him. I I'll agree with you guys. They were right to tag him. But again, the narrative is what drives me crazy. They tried to pay Dak. They tried to pay him. If the reports are true, they tried to give this guy top five money, and he said no. They tried to make him a top five quarterback, and he said no because he wanted to be one of the top two or three highest paid. I want that to sink in. No, 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 no. That's that's not. That was not the problem. That wasn't the problem. The problem, <laughs> the problem was, was is that was he wanted a four-year deal and they wanted a five. That was the separation. It had nothing to do the money. He didn't want more money. He was fine with the money. He wanted four years so he could re-up. And that's a smart fucking business move. If I'm a businessman, fuck yeah, I'd do the exact same thing. And of course, his agent is in his ear telling him all this shit. And this you, is his first you, contract. Okay. Hey, at the end of the day, I can't fault him for wanting to get his fucking money. And I know that, that I mean, you know, what did, what did, what did, uh, what did, Cus what did Kirk Cousins get? Like 31 million a year? He did. But th that, th let me tell you why that's apples and oranges, man. And again, people got to look, I, I, I certainly think that, you know, I, and I'm just getting into, you know, you, you know, getting down and talking with you guys. But again, we had to be careful with looking at what everybody else get paid because every organization's position is different. Dallas is not like Minnesota. Minnesota gave Kirk Cousins that money for a couple of reasons in my assessment. One, they felt like at the time they had everything built, defense, running back, offense, and they were a quarterback away, right? right? And, and they paid a quarterback, guys. People shit on Kirk Cousins, but again, I'm always going to come back to this point. Every quarterback and every good GM, and by the way, I think we all agree that Jerry Jones is a shit GM, so... Um, when these guys are looking at these quarterbacks, they are looking to project that quarterback's skill set with their talent. What will this guy, what will this guy's skill set, what can I get out of him with my talent? So when the Vikings projected, now remember what the Vikings were coming into. Kirk Cousins was coming into Adam Thielen. Kirk Cousins was coming into Stefan Diggs. Kirk Cousins was coming into uh, Kyle uh, Randolph or Rudolph, whatever their fucking stud tight end was. Rudolph. They said, you know what? Rudolph, right? Yep. I'm going to get a quarterback that he, he isn't as athletic. Not even but close, you know what Kirk bro. Cousins is known for? He does two things really well. He, 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 he's very accurate, and his anticipation or his ability to read a defense and, and get the ball out, mm -hmm. that was the things that he was known for, right? Those are the two skill set quarterback things that he's very good at by all accounts. Doesn't turn the ball over a lot, gets the ball out, can read defenses. They paid him for that because they think we're a quarterback away. Okay, here we go. Dallas Cowboys. What are we getting in Dak Prescott? 
guys, I ain't buying that whole PFF deep, best deep ball thrower. I, you have watched, <laughs> I have watched every goddamn snack of that Prescott. Now, look, man, you know, like I know, that, that guy does not have deep ball touch. You want to know who has deep ball touch? Russell fucking Wilson throws God a move ball. He does not. It. Just because he's completing a catch. Nah, bruh. Bro, I've seen some fucking badass throws from Dak. Are you kidding me? He even has a fucking Romo fucking caliber fucking play to his game where he can make fucking magic happen out of goddamn nothing. I've seen it. You've seen it. We've all seen it. Don't fucking act like you haven't. (laughs) Come on, man. Come on, don't bullshit me now. Like, I, and we're talking about how this man brother, is constantly about- <laughs> improving, bro. He had a fucking completion percentage no. that improves every fucking year, may I fucking add. And no, at no. this point in time, he almost threw for 2,000 fucking yards trying to carry this sorry fucking defense from nothing to win from behind in a fucking game. It was fucking every, or Zeke fucking fumbling or something going wrong. This man was trying to do the best he could also with a makeshift fucking offensive line. God damn, what do you want from this man? He's not a fucking superhero. Holy shit. This is crazy. This is crazy. And what do you want? What do you think we're going to get out of free agency, bro? What do you think? Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me, no, you've said everything. Hold on, it's my turn. One minute. I'll let you have the floor right after this. What okay. do you expect okay. to get? Okay. What do you expect to get with all the money that you're going to save with Dak Prescott? Are you going to get, what, are you going to get some old dried up ass free agents? Because if you look at the free agent market this year, I mean, most of the, the people that are coming out on the defensive side of the ball are old as hell. These old vets, are we going to, is that going to fix our defense? I highly doubt it, man. We need a major fucking rebuild and upgrade for this defense. And that's going to happen in the fucking draft. And that's what you have to rely on. But that's all it's going to be because I'm not going to bring in fucking who, who, who's available. Jay, J- Jadavian Clowney. It's all broken ass. You want me to bring him in, pay him all kinds of fucking money to get hurt and fucking after two weeks of play. Like, what do you want? What do you want? What do you what do you what do you plan to do with that money you're going to save on not paying Dak? That's what I want to know. And look, man, I, I and I knew this, right, because there's all these different perspectives and how everybody is looking at Dak. I, I will say again. Because I think it's important. Do, do I think Dak is a good quarterback? Yeah. Do I think that the fan base and the section, the fraction of the fan base, which I am in, that don't want to pay him, I don't think you would get such a huge pushback if Dak Prescott wasn't trying to be, you know, like at the top of the quarterback market. I do not think that he is consistently. Again, Dak's an NFL quarterback. Every fucking NFL quarterback, guys, I'm not one of those guys that throws the baby out with the bathwater. They're all going to perform. And the difference between, you know, Tom Brady when he was at the top of his game and the 32nd best quarterback in the NFL is consistency. How how much they consistently perform. Dak Prescott is a middle. I think he's in that 11-12 from a consistency perspective. Week in, week out is Dak is Dak the difference maker? Is he reading defenses? Is he throwing accurately? Is he, you know, is he the reason why this offense is consistently scoring points? 2018, 2019, were you facing good teams and you're seeing this offense produce 12 goddamn points against the Saints? 12! And they did not have a Drew Brees? Are you kidding me? I was at that game. Where you had a healthy game, offensive <laughs> line, where you have, you, guys, that's the kind of stuff that's going to drive this fan base nuts. 12 points when you talk about the New England Patriots when you produce six 
point. I don't want to hear that it was in a monsoon. When you mm. when you're at home against the Buffalo Bills and you get your ass handed to you, when you go to Chicago and you you produce you they, they got smacked. And that's all you're putting that all on that guys. That Come does on. not warrant a thirty-eight million dollar a year payday. It just doesn't. No, what, no, hold on, hold on. You <laughs> you ready? You want to pay a Go guy ahead. $38 million, $38. And you're saying, <laughs> am I putting that all on goddamn Dak? Yes. Yes, I am. Because you know what? You're the guys that's saying the quarterback is the most, uh, the most important position. The quarterback is the one that drives the offensive points. I don't want to hear about Zeke. I don't want to hear about no offensive line. Oh, you want to be the guy. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers don't do that. Show me a game where can show me a, oh, a, show me if you take the same hold on, hold on. Oh, oh, go ahead show me show me an Aaron Rodgers big pressure portfolio that in his he is an elite level quarterback you show me where he's had a season where that offense is produced to the level that a Dak Prescott led offense is produced show me where a guy like uh, uh, Patrick Mahomes where that offense consistently has scored under you know, they, they, they go in dry spells where they're producing 12 points a game. Show it to me. Show it to me, and I'll be all on you guys' camp for paying that motherfucker 38 million a year. <laughs> Show it to me. Kevin, I'm a, I, I, I do want to, time it, I want to chime in on this, but I feel like you haven't gotten much of the floor lately, so I'm going to hand it to you right now, yeah. and I will be back. Yeah, I, I will you, be right, you're throwing right out some when, um Tag team. You know, when you're, compare, when you're, throwing, when you're throwing out those, uh, when you're throwing out those names, Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers, those are some uh, those are some high names to be able to uh, compete with as far as that goes. You know, he's a uh, yeah, like I said, he's got some work to do as a quarterback. I, I I'm not a Dak I'm not a Dak lover. Do I think he deserves 38 million? Uh, I really I really don't. I think he deserves. I, I think he does deserve to be paid for uh, for what he's worth, and I, and I think that's anywhere you know 34, 35 right now. Because there's guys there's guys that are. Um, that are coming out, they're going out there on Sundays that, that I don't, I don't think, uh, that I think he's better than. And uh, who, who, who? Oh, you you want to name the quarterback that he, the quarterbacks that he's better than? Yeah, I want. Wait, hold on. I want the names of the quarterback that Dak should be paid more than. That's what I want. Carson fucking Wentz. Um, what? Oh, hold on. Now hold on. Good. Okay. Okay. Jimmy G. Wait a minute. Wentz. Okay, Wentz is a prime example, guys, of why you shouldn't pay a motherfucker. <laughs> He's a prime <laughs> example of why you shouldn't pay. When you pay your, a quarterback that is not elite that kind of money, this is what you get. You're making my argument for me. Okay, what's the next name? Cousin. <laughs> He's always the first one I go to. Yeah, see, I know that's your that's you guys' go-to. But I'll say again, Kirk Cousins does some things. Would you, Kirk Cousins does two if you ask anyone in a quarterback circle in the NFL, again, Kirk Cousins does some things. Now, do I think, do I think that Kirk Cousins is infinitely better than Dak Prescott? I do not. I do not. But you, again, guys, when we start talking about the Dallas Cowboys and, you know, and here's my question to, to the two of you, and I, I would like your answer. Here's, the, here, here's what we're faced with. Would you rather pay Dak Prescott more money and not have the ability to improve that broke-ass defense because you need a defense to win consistently. So here's our choices. Pay Dak Prescott $38 million and virtually keep your personnel on defense the same or look at another option. Go. To me. Well, yeah, the, yeah, I mean, the, yeah. 
Yeah, the obvious. I mean, the obvious answer is that we don't want to. I mean, it's there's a glaring, glaring need uh, that we didn't that we didn't think we had before this year for our defense. I, I mean, did I foresee? Did I think our defense was a shutdown defense? No, I didn't. Did I think we were going to be as bad as we are in all facets? I mean, any. I mean, from. I mean, we we put pressure on the quarterback uh, from time to time, but as far as defend, uh, making a key tackle, I mean, you know, guys get five, seven yards before anybody even lays a damn hand on them. It's a, uh, it's it's tough. It's tough to watch, and, and you know, I, I think Dak's going to get his money. I'm not sure it's going to be where he thought it was going to be before the, uh, before he passed up that that first offer. But I mean, we have a we have a lot of glaring needs, and and uh, I mean, they're they're going to have to get it figured out. I'm gonna tell you so, something so right now. Hold on, hold on, God damn it! Okay. Hold on. All right. I'm gonna tell okay, you something. Exactly. I'm gonna tell you something, James. Hold on, James. <laughs> hey, uh, you about to, you gonna be mad as a motherfucker because you're gonna have to deal with hating this some bitch for the next four years? Because I guarantee you that he gets signed. I guarantee it. I, I, there's no doubt in my mind. Jerry's going to fold and he's going to sign the goddamn contract. I know he is. And he deserves to be paid more than Kirk Cousins. He deserves to be paid more than fucking Jared Goff. And he deserves to be paid more than fucking Big Ben. And as far as Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes money goes, that's that's a little, that's reaching a little bit for me. They overpaid. <laughs> Oh, I did. did oh, I did. Did you just say that out loud? You, dude, does he deserve to get paid more I'm than a, old I, ass I, Big Ben? Old ass? I'm you fucking kidding me? Don't you give you a chance to take that back. <laughs> no, I'm going to give you no. a chance. Kevin, I'm fuck giving no. him a chance to take it back. I'm going to shut up. Fuck I'm going to give him no. a chance. I'm Go not ahead. paying Big Ben's old ass $34 million a fucking year, a bro. I'm going to give him a chance. You ain't going to take it? Old Ben? You don't want to take the no, chance? No, I don't want old Ben. He's at the fucking back end of his career. He's half of what he used to be. He's half of what he used to be. Half. Half of what he used to be, goddammit. You can't you can't make me think otherwise. Guys, guys. We're not talking about the we're not talking about Ben right now. We're not talking about Ben right now. Yeah, we are. Okay. Okay, but guys, see, this is where our organization has gotten to. I'm a 70s. I started following this team in the 70s. I'm a 70s baby. I watched these motherfuckers win consistently until Jerry Jones took my team and my joy. (laughs) <laughs> away from me. We are celebrating mediocrity and it kills me. You're talking about a quarterback that in Big Ben, when you look at his whole body of his career, now they've had talent, guys, but we're talking about an organization that consistently wins. And you should reward a quarterback for consistently performing and winning. And Dak Prescott hasn't done that. With that elite level receivers for fucking years. Elite level receivers for years, and yeah, he fucking won. He won, but he hasn't been shit for a long time. Let's be fucking honest. Let's be real. Let's call it what it is. How the fuck did that motherfucker consistently get to the playoffs and fucking consistently lose in the playoffs? Win, 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 win. Hold on. You making statements. Show me. Let's Google. I got to Google. You got to Google? When Big Ben suck, let's Google it. Win, what you talking about? Hold on. See? That's what I'm talking about. What you talking about? Show me when. When has he sucked ass? Show it to me. Give it to me. Give it to me. He hasn't hasn't fucking played up to Paul. What I'm saying is what you're expecting from a quarterback, from the way that you're saying is that he's got to be consistent. He's got to win consistently. 
This man is not fucking winning consistently. He's going to the, he'll go to the fucking playoffs and then he'll lose in the fucking first, second round like he does every goddamn year. Consistently not fucking winning. If that's what you want to call it, oh, because he's got some Super Bowl rings, now we're going to crown him the fucking king? He's got, he had fucking Antonio Brown for fucking years. Look at all the receivers that this man has. It has been nonstop with the fucking weapons that this man has had. You can go all the way back to goddamn Plexco fucking burst if you want to. This man has had nonstop fucking game changing weapons with him his entire fucking career. Am I saying that Big Ben is I'm a bad quarterback? Fuck that. no. Big yes. Ben is a great quarterback. He has always been a great Hold quarterback. On, bro. But we're talking about right now. Do I think he is past? is fucking prime you goddamn right i do tell I pay. me no. when if if you want to talk about quarterback if you want to talk about big ben now remember i'm consistent i'm always going to go back to the same logic we ain't talking about wins and losses that's more than the quarterback bro i'm talking about i want you to single it out and i want you to show me where big ben consistently has not led that offense or his offense now, great weapons or not, Dak Prescott had weapons. I'll go through game by game with you and show you where I'm like, 12 points, 10 points, 6 points. What the fuck's going on here? I don't care about yards. Points. <laughs> That's you guys that care about, about yards. I care about points. Show me where you consistently are putting points on the board, and I'm going to go and challenge you. If you want to talk about Big Ben, show me. Wear that offense under Big Ben because I consider, you know, Ben Roethlisberger, I consider him, and I ain't talking about this year, but he has been worth every dime that that organization has paid him because whatever they paid him, he was the reason. I don't want to hear no shit about no offensive line, any of that shit. He has led them. I expect if Dak Prescott wants the bag, you want to be the third highest paid player in the NFL. Show it to me. Show me consistently where you do not need every piece to be perfect in order for you to perform. That's the logic. I will always come back to it because injuries happen in the NFL. Shit coaching happened in the NFL. If we, again, are looking at this thing, guys, the one person that I – and I live out here in Seattle, and I can't stand the fucking Seahawks. I can't stand it. <laughs> but the one thing that I look at is this dude, Russell Wilson, this dude has had shit lines. Ain't never had a running back worth of shit. He's had, you know, ain't had no receivers. Every receiver and every op every time they throw something at him, that he comes through. And he is the reason that this offense is always putting them in positions to win. They ain't never losing because of that offense. Because Russell Wilson does some elite things. His escapability and his ability to extend plays is elite. No other quarterback can do what Russell Wilson does. Pay the man. I'm going to ask you again. Hey, so Kevin, Didn't those motherfuckers just lose to the New York Giants, bro? How many points they put up in that hey, game? How many points they put up in the game? Hold on. Remember I mean, no, 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 no. Hey, Kevin, tell him. Oh, Kevin, it. Kevin, what did I Come say? On. Every quarterback, I, I said consistently, big picture. Every, look, every player is going to have games where they don't perform. But consistently, is Russell Wilson not one of the most clutch? And I can't stand him. <laughs> he sounds like Stephen A, bro. <laughs> Tell me it consistently. When hold on, you ready? When you when 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 you see the Seahawks, when you see Mahomes, Rogers, Wilson, when you put the ball in those motherfuckers' hands in the last two minutes, tell me you don't go. Uh oh, they about to score. Tell me you don't do it. I go. Oh, that game's over. It's over. Ask me the feeling I get when I see Dak Prescott with his with with last man last man touch the ball. I go. Oh fuck. I wonder what's going to happen. 
But it's, I'm telling you, I don't the get comparison that same sense of, isn't oh, close. We, though. I know for certain. It's not there it. yet. It's not there I, yet. This man is only four years in his career. Well, didn't even get to make it all the way to his fifth year. So we don't know what would have fucking happened. Don't ask for thirty-eight million. Then don't ask for thirty-eight million. God damn, son. I, I don't want to hear that. But when you get to thirty-eight million, I've arrived. I don't want to hear that bullshit about I'm still developing. Well, if you're still developing, take this twenty-five million and let's <laughs> develop together. Fuck, yeah, well, I would have loved to have seen what he fucking could have done this fucking year because he would have got so the fucking bag. Together. Oh, oh. What, 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 are you, what are you watching? What are you fucking watching? Are you watching Andy Dalton out there? Do you want to see that? Do you, do you remember the... Wait, I know wait, you wait. said you've been a fan since the 70s. You remember the fucking Quincy Carter days? You remember that shit, don't you? I know you fucking do. We all fucking do. Nobody wants to go uh -oh, through that shit again, wait, man. I'm, I'm, let me shut up. Let me shut up. I'm going to let you finish your point. You got the floor. Go ahead. $38 million a year. Wow, that is quite a bit of fucking money. Guess what, man? Every fucking year, except for the next year, except for this coming up next year, obviously, with everything that happened with COVID, that money goes up every fucking year. So, obviously, it resets the market every time. So, that's what it takes to pay a fucking good quarterback. That's not, not just a fucking amazingly great quarterback. That's what it takes to pay a good fucking quarterback. At one point in time, Jimmy Garoppolo, Jimmy Jimmy fucking Garoppolo had never proven shit. Got fucking paid not bank. True. It was the highest paid goddamn quarterback in the fucking league. Zach, that's Come not on, true. Come Zach, on, that's not true. Hold not. on. You're fooling yourself, bro. How much is Ryan Tannehill? How much did he just sign for? You said that's how much it takes to play a good quarterback. How much he get? How much he get? Are you per saying that fucking yes, Ryan Tannehill is better than yes, Dak Prescott, bro? It's not yes. close. It's nope, not even close. Hold on. Hold on. Did I say better? Did I say better? I didn't say he was better. As good as you said. How much? You, this is what it takes to sign a good quarterback. And by the way, I think Dak Prescott is a good quarterback. Now, if you want to make him above Ryan, T that's fine with me. I don't care. But my argument again, and you asked me to come on here and defend my position. Do I think Dak Prescott should get thirty-eight million a year? <laughs> F to the hell, no. Nah. Tannehill, Tannehill's making 20, 29.5. There you go. 29.5. <laughs> Dak Prescott 130? Sign me up. Let's go. Let's ride this thing together. You think for he's million. $1 yeah. million dollars better? His worth to you is $1 million more than Ryan fucking Tannehill. That's his worth to you? Kevin, Kevin, can you tell me if Dak Fuck. took 30 million, what position in terms of annual payout he would be? Kevin, go. You're a Googler, I can tell, Kevin. Get on that fancy Google machine. Yeah, no, I did Google that one. <laughs> I, I couldn't tell you where he would be if he got if he got thirty million, but I'd I'd have to say it'd probably be around I don't know eleven or twelve maybe. See, Kevin, this is the, this is this is this is the this is stuff I'm dealing with, Kevin. <laughs> this is what I got to deal with. No, Kevin, he would be like six. That's what he would be. Is it six? Hell yeah! Ooh. Look, go look. You, you got Wentz. Yeah, I haven't looked at that. I, uh, you got Wentz. You got Goff. You got. Uh, 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 Russell Wilson, Mahomes, Watson, Tannehill's at 29. Tell me who getting paid more than them. It ain't Garoppolo. It ain't fucking Derek Carr. It ain't Matthew Stafford. God damn. It I, ain't the boy in Atlanta. Hey, I think he's fucking better than 30 all of them. million would make him at least six. And I'm not even Googling. I'm not even Googling. I bet you it would make him six. I bet you. Who want to bet me? What make him sixth uh, highest like, paid average a year? Talking average a year. But you don't. You, you.
Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Being the sixth highest paid quarterback. Oh my god. Oh my god. No, the, that's the, such an insult. The sixth highest paid quarterback, averagely, yes. average a year. I, I'm just saying. Let's go look. I I may be wrong, but I bet you I'm somewhere close. Right now, with his look, tag, he Google is it. the ninth highest paid quarterback with his tag right now. Thirty-one million. No, who's? He's the ninth the highest paid quarterback right now with his tag, Who? thirty-one million. Dak Prescott. Yeah, I ain't gonna lie. I'd have to look that one up. <laughs> yeah, he is the ninth highest paid quarterback right now. Who? Who's eight quarterbacks making more than than Dak this year? Carson Who? Wentz, Kirk Cousins, Jared Goff, Aaron Rodgers, Ben Roethlisberger, Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, and Patrick Mahomes. Now, I like can eight. name at least fucking three oh, or four on, that are fucking hey, better on, than that on, motherfucker. That hold on. Hey, Kevin, Kevin, hold on. I'm math with my strong suit, but that don't sound like eight. It's clearly not your strong suit. Okay, Carson Wentz, one. Kirk Cousins, two. Jared Goff, hey, uh, three. Aaron hey, Rodgers, quick four. Quick. Go ahead. Good question. You're from, uh, you're from Seattle. You friends, with, uh, you friends with Barry? With who? With Barry Gibson. No. Why? No, oh, I'm just wondering. No, he runs a he runs a, another uh, another podcast called Le uh, the Legacy Group. I was just wondering. He's a he's a big Cowboys fan. He's from Seattle. No, nah, I'm a huge and look, guys. I, look, it, it's spirited. I'm coming down. Look, man, I love this fan base and I love this team, and I ain't gonna leave it. It has been it has been painful, man, for all of us for you know for for 25 years with Jerry Jones. And all I'm saying is, look, let me, I'm clearly saying that I like Dak. I think everybody likes Dak, man. He's a good dude. But this is about dollars and cents and what his, what that number does with their ability, given we can argue all day long about whether Zeke should have got his money or Tank should have got his money, but the fact, or Jalen Smith, but the fact is those contracts ain't coming off the books. So this is what you're left with. And if you ask me as a Dallas Cowboys fan, here are my choices. Pay Dak Prescott what he wants at $38 million, and leave everything else virtually the same, or looking at alternative, whether it be uh, whether it be a rookie quarterback. And by the way, guys, the, the, the fact of the matter is, I think it's bad business and it's irresponsible. In fact, and this is what kills me about Jerry Jones: if your this team sucks, it's going to have a top five pick. Let me give you in my world what in my world I'm running the Dallas Cowboys. What I like to see them do, if I. I can't get Dak Prescott signed somewhere around that 30, 31, 32 mark. If he won't take that, I'm moving on. And I would like to see them leverage. The fact that every other team is beholden to this quarterback theory, the two teams that got the salary cap space and that are like Minnesota of three years ago that swears their quarterback away, use their fears against them. You want Dak? You want to give me your first-round pick and pay that? Dude, 40 million, fine with me. I will take your first round pick. I will take my first round pick and I will get Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence, one of the two. I will get a quarterback on a rookie deal and this ain't a fourth round rated quarterback. These are two top five highly rated quarterbacks. And by the way, there's been more success with rookie quarterbacks coming into the league of late. So I don't want to hear that bullshit about, oh, I don't want to take a risk. Well, your salary cap is making you take a risk. Dak Prescott is making you take a risk. So if he won't take it, I'm forced to think outside the box, take the two first-round draft picks, 
along with my other high draft picks from being a crappy-ass team this year, and I am going to do two things. I am going to reset the market with a quarterback. And by the way, I'm not plugging that rookie quarterback in with shit talent. I am plugging that rookie quarterback in with elite-level healthy talent. I am going to run the shit out of the ball, and I'm going to ask that quarterback to make accurate, timely throws. Will the production, by chance, happen to take a little bit of a dip? Okay, I can live with that. You score me 21 points a game or 24 points a game in the NFL, it's now the defense's responsibility to make sure that turns into a win. What am I going to do with that $25 million that I just saved myself? Actually, $35 million that I just saved myself. I'm going to take that $35 million, and I'm going to go buy me some badass defensive pieces that I know this team misses. And you know that it needs a disruptive D-tackle. Up the middle, this team sucks. It needs two linebackers. There's the shame of it. We don't need one linebacker. We need two. It needs a defensive <laughs> tackle. It needs two linebackers. It needs a corner. I like Donovan Wilson, so I won't even say a safety. But it needs those pieces, guys. And you can't get it all from the draft. You have to be able to spend on the free agent market, which this team hasn't done. But you're not going to have the money to do that if you paid that Prescott. So your choices, I'm going to ask you again, Kevin, here's your choices. You either pay that Prescott what he wants and keep your team virtually the same, or you make a tough choice. What's it going to be? What's it going to be? Well, I have a feeling it's going to be the latter. I think he's going to get his money. I don't, like I said, I don't, I don't think it's going to um, be what he in- Initially wanted, but um, yeah, he, I think I think he'll get it eventually. Okay, I ain't asking you what you think he's gonna get. What do you? Say? You're a Cowboys fan. Season, I'm a, I'm You're a, sitting here just like I'm me. I'm a ticket holder too, so I'm extra frustrated. <laughs> okay, but guys, I'm asking you your opinion. You're a season ticket holder. Are you beholden to a player? Or are you beholden to wanting to see the? I want a Super Bowl, man. I want to go around in Seattle and talk shit like I was doing in the '90s, telling everybody to f off. I want to wear my shit out in public proudly. Well, I do that anyway. So what's your, what do you want? I'm talking about we're fans here. What's your choice? Would you rather than pay Dak and keep things virtually the same or be bold and say, you know what, for the betterment of the organization and of the team, this is what we have to do. Which one? Which one? You know, I've been a season ticket holder went since 2013. I don't think we I – don't, I don't remember what our record was back in 2013 i don't think it was very good when i jumped on board as far as season tickets go but uh you know man uh as far, i've been a season ticket holder of another of a of um astro season ticket holder i've been a rocket season ticket holder and out of those three franchises that i've been a season ticket holder of you know these organizations have got Quite a bit of money from me. They don't get so much of my money these days now that I'm married. Back then I was uh, single and priorities were different and shit like that. Shit is disappointing. But I've out of out of all three out of all three organizations that I've been a season t- ticket holder uh, with, I, the Cowboys. I don't think they value like Jerry Jones. I don't think he values season ticket holders as long as people. Keep buying merchandise. He figured the way he thinks of it is, is if you don't want your tickets anymore, somebody else will buy them. You know, he's um, even a couple of years ago, I think, you know, and it's, it's minute when you think about it. Like a couple of years ago, they stopped sending, uh, they stopped sending a little welcome packets for season ticket holders. Now everything's fucking digital and you have like zero interaction with the team. 
or get any kind of, you know, perks, what you will. They give you a little discount at the damn online store, but that's about it. And he's he's gonna, you know, he's gonna get your money either way. But um, I've I've been disappointed in the direction that our team's headed for the past, I don't know, two or three years. It's uh, it's tough to watch, especially being a Cowboys fan living in living in uh, enemy territory down here in Houston. Everybody likes to talk shit about the Cowboys, especially when we lose, especially when the Texans lose. But uh, you know, like I said, that was my little rant off uh, off on another subject. And look, man, I'm not a. I come in for three or four games. I fly all the way to Seattle and I try to catch three games and I get one on the road. I get what you're saying, man. And, you know, it's a side subject. And it's, again, I think the root of everything with this organization is Jerry Jones and his ego has turned it to shit. This used to be a very good, um, you know, winning, consistent organization. What's frustrated me as a fan of this is, is the way that we celebrate mediocrity because. We know that we're not winning, so then we find other bullshit things to celebrate. And it's just killed me, and it's made me bitter as a fan in terms of um, these players. And it's, it's all Jerry Jones's fault in the culture that he's let it turn into, which is you want to pay a guy, and this is what – you want to pay a, a Tank Lawrence. You want to talk about a, a horrible fucking contract? I just get tired of Jerry Jones paying people horrific money. You know what I mean? I'm not one of those guys. Zeke, he earned his money. That dude, say what you want. He is the best at his position, and he was for the last, you know, three seasons. He was the best at his position. He was the best. He's having a little bit down year now, but that's what you do, man. He performed consistently exceptional. Consistently exceptional. My problem with Dak Prescott, man, to bring this thing back is that I just can't believe that the organization is willing or even entertaining paying a guy that has not consistently performed exceptional. If you look across the landscape against the guys that are getting that kind of money, their pedigree, I mean, it ain't even close. But what we compare Dak to is yards. James, I got a question for you. So when you're you're GM, right? You're GM Dallas Cowboys. Are you paying somebody based on what they've done for you in the past? Or are you paying them for what you think they're going to do for you in the future? Absolutely. You already, and you and I both know the answer to that. Yeah. Your your, your existing contract is for, you know what I mean? That's what you did for me. Not what have you done for me. What have you done for me lately? That's what the fuck it is. Uh I mean, we all know that. So I I personally think, and hey, look, man. At the end of the day, we're Cowboys fans. We're all disappointed, obviously, with our organization and where we're at right now. We may disagree on this, and it is what it is. He'll either be the quarterback or he won't, and we'll move on or we fucking won't, and it is what it is. But for me, at the end of the day, I would personally like to have him back. You know that. Everybody fucking knows that. You've made your points, and you made some very valid points. I feel like I've made some points. I made some very valid points. Everybody's entitled to their own opinion. That's okay. At the end of the day, we're all Cowboys fans. That's what makes makes us – as good as we are, man, because we stick by them through thick and thin, whether they fucking suck or we're tired of watching the same bullshit over the past 25 years, we're in this... It's it's a lifetime thing, man. It's a lifetime commitment. It is a, it's a fucking abusive relationship. You gotta have some... <laughs> Unfortunately, have some thick ass you know that all, all that you said is true. We're in it, and we just vent, but you're right, man. If they pay the guy, I'm, a, I'm, I'm gonna root for him. 
Uh, if they don't pay him, I'm going to root for the next guy. But I ain't going nowhere. But again, man, I guess my, my, my last point is that I just think they have a better chance of recovering and winning if they don't. I think it, they, they give themselves more choices and options if they don't pay a player that kind of money. Football, man, NFL football in a salary cap league, I don't believe that any player should get that kind of scratch because if they get hurt, you are effed. One guy and you are sunk. Now you got $40 million in a guy that you pay him next year, he, you know, he gets hurt like that. Now where are you at? So I don't know, man. Um, yeah, I, I think you make some valid points. I do. Um, I, I, I'm still, you know, an hour later. I'm still passionately on the other side where I think the organization has a better chance of correcting its mistakes, and it has made mistakes, if they don't, if they don't pay Dak and look at other options to get a serviceable or good quarterback on a rookie deal in here so that they can fix their mistakes. That's my position. I'm stone cold, motherfucker. I ain't moving. <laughs> hey, I'm staying Much right respect, where the fuck brother. I'm at too, man. Hey, you can't buzz me. <laughs> hey, 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 you know where I lose? Cause I ain't Kevin. Kevin hit me with that Twitter handle, brother. We brothers. I hear you, man. Hey, uh, <laughs> uh, you'll, see, you'll, see, you'll see me. I'm 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 on there. I'm on there a lot, going back and forth with uh with Starboys, and uh, you know, I'm. It's most of the time when I'm at work and I have a little downtime and I get a chance to get a chance to. Uh, to vent, to vent off my Cowboys frustrations. <laughs> right on, guys. I appreciate the opportunity, man. I, I'm going to follow you, brother, because like you said, you have some valid points and you're a Cowboy fan at the end of the day. We all bleed blue, man. Hey, hey love hey. having you on, man. Hey, go ahead and uh, share your, uh, your Twitter handle with everybody, man, so they can, they can find you and, and cuss your ass out. <laughs> <laughs> now, why would you want to do something like that, man? <laughs> <laughs> hey, come on, man! Say, hey, not every. Hey, there are, surprise! There are people who agree with you. There, there's. I mean, you know, it's not like you have. Hey, this is the only I, opinion in the world. Yeah, but there are people who agree with you. I've seen a lot of. Them. Hey, oh enjoy, yeah, no, absolutely. I, I, Go ahead. Enjoyed, listen, I, enjoy, I enjoyed being on with you guys, man. Y'all are both uh, very, very knowledgeable, passionate. Hey, either way, either way you look at it, like you said, we're all we're all Cowboys fans. We all we all obviously want what's best for the team and uh we're too damn we're too damn talented to go out there and get our ass handed to us everywhere we are man we all agree on that you brothers be well i'm gonna hit you on this uh, on this twitter handle and follow you and you guys hit me back man good luck to the cow all right cowboys nation so we have another special guest joining us on the show today and he's going to be covering his book pro sports in 1993 by david ostrowski how's it going david um, well, how are you doing, man? I'm doing great, man. Doing great. Uh, I got to uh, read a little bit of your book, and I love it. Obviously, from a Cowboys fan's point of view, there's a, a lot to dive in over that. But overall, it was a really great book. I mean, for sports lovers in general, especially for that season, um, you cover things like Montana's Last Stand. You cover uh, MJ, obviously, um, and Canada's last Stanley Cup. So, I mean, there's for any sports lover, there's a lot of great stuff to go over. Um, but I, I just wanted to touch base with you. And so, what was significant about 1993 to you and how it affected your childhood? And what made you want to write a book about it? Yeah, and that's a very interesting question. I think, you know, growing up in Boston, I've lived in the Boston area my entire life now. Um, you know, I was nine years old in 93, and the 
quite frankly, the Boston teams were not very good in 93. Um, yeah. You know, in, in terms of, you know, the Cowboys, um, they were the, obviously the best team in football, them and the 49ers. And the Patriots were awful. Um, in 92, they went, I want to say, 2-14 and 14 or 1-15. and 15, And then, you know, they got Bledsoe and, and Bill Parcells comes in. And um, they're only slightly better the next year. So, in short, you know, in 93, I'm really focusing a lot of my attention on, you know, the teams around the country, whether it's the Cowboys or the Bulls or, you know, the Toronto Blue Jays up in Canada. So, in short, I think a lot of my memories from being a, a diehard sports fan growing up were from that year and not so much really involving the Boston teams, which is obviously very different now. Um, certainly the past couple of decades, they've been very dominant. Complete so, 360. You know, <laughs> yeah, complete 360. I mean, like I said, the Patriots were pretty bad. Celtics were me- mediocre at best, as were the Red Sox and Bruins for the most part. So, you know, like I said, it was kind of my first year really getting involved in sports, and I certainly have pretty fond memories of watching the Cowboys um, you know, dominate that year for sure. Yeah. And how did that, like, how did that work for, I'm, I'm assuming. So you you guys are in the same division as the bills. So obviously you're not a fan of the bills. Uh, <laughs> how did that feel <laughs> like, watching? Like, was that significant for you as far as like the Cowboys beating the bills, you know, like, or, did you have any kind of like hate or a grudge towards them at that time as a kid? That's a good question. So, I do remember that when I was for Super Bowl 28, when, of course, the Cowboys um, beat the Bills for the second consecutive year, and they won their, you know, the Bills lost their fourth Super Bowl in a row. Probably not going to get a lot of fans by saying this but I, on your podcast, but I do remember, you know, pulling for the, the Bills that year just because, you know, no one, <laughs> no one likes Goliath. Um, so in answer to your question, and I'm probably not going to get one person to get interested in my book from listening to this, but... Um, it, it was kind of, you know, neat to see a team. I mean, the Bills were winning at halftime of that game. Um, you know, just to see a, a different type of... It didn't really matter to me that the Bills were in the AFC East and they were clearly the class of that division. You know, I think right. um, the Cowboys were just so dominant for the past couple of years that it was kind of nice to see a team challenge them. But, of course, they didn't. I mean, the Cowboys absolutely dominated in the second half of that game and, and you know, beat them pretty easily. Yeah, and a lot of people don't really, like, for people who kind of didn't grow up in that time or didn't watch the Super Bowl then, which, I mean, I don't know who wouldn't have, but um, it was kind of a little bit of a, a struggle at the beginning. You know, it wasn't like, all oh, they just came out and just blew the doors right off. I mean, they it was the Bills were doing actually pretty good at first, and it was kind of a, uh, obviously things turned around <laughs> in a big way, but um, it was like, it was kind of a close game at first for a little bit, so... Yeah, that was and and you know there you so you lead up kind of starting off with with the Cowboys and um, obviously the the huge change that came in with with Jerry Jones and Jimmy Johnson and um, so what what did you find most interesting about as far as your your research is concerned with the Cowboys at that point in time? Obviously, there's a lot of topics to kind of cover, uh, but what stood yeah. out to you the most that you would say you you thought was uh, pretty pretty unique? I think the one thing was just how quickly the turnaround happened. You know, in '89, yes. which was Johnson's first year, um, they were terrible. Um, they had gone three and thirteen in Landry's uh, last year in '88. And they took a step back, you know, one in 15. Um, 
And then three years later, they're partying at the Rose Bowl after demolishing the Cowboys, right? 52 to 17. So you're talking about three years where they go from a laughing stock to, you know, quite frankly, the best team in the league by far because they, you know, beat the 49ers fairly easy in the conference championship game and then absolutely danced over Buffalo. So I think the fact that it was a three year uh, separation, it's like picture, I don't know, you know, the Jets almost like three years from now dominating. You know, it seems right. pretty far past, right? Because <laughs> um, the Cowboys, of course, have been pretty bad for most of the 80s, yes. ever since the catch. Um, and then the other thing would be the Herschel Walker trade, just how brilliant, you know, that was maneuvered by Jimmy Johnson, of course. And, you know, the foresight to um, trade their best offensive player in the middle of the season um, and being able to get draft picks and then conditional draft picks and players attached to those picks. You know, it, it was pretty... Um, it was brilliant, you know, nothing short of brilliance for sure. Absolutely. And and a lot of people like with the Herschel Walker trade is why it was so amazing is because he was what he actually got from that trade was interesting because he did get like some of the Vikings old vets and he ended up basically flipping them by cutting them right. and and getting picks from them. So uh, just all the way around, uh, Jimmy Johnson to me. So, and I'm from Houston. So, um, he actually grew up, uh, not too far from where I live. He grew up in Port right. Arthur and, uh, he actually, he went to school with, with Janice Joplin. Uh, <laughs> so That's right. That's yeah, right. yeah. Yeah. And I, I think at one point in time, he, he said that she was basically just, you know, a hippie, <laughs> <It was. laughs> but he is, he's just such an interesting character to me like his the culture that he created in that short amount of time was nothing short of amazing i mean he was really a cerebral coach and like and what so one of my favorite parts of of the cowboys chapter was um the pregame speech um i believe it was before uh Correct me if I'm wrong. I'm not sure the number of the Super Bowl, but the the first Super Bowl they had against the Bills. Yep, that's right. Um, so he basically comes out and and um, talks to his team, and he says, uh, "So he put a two by four across some cinder blocks, and he basically asked one of his players. He said, "Is so? I want you to imagine that, like how or how easy would it be for you to just walk across?" this two by four in these center blocks. And the player of course said, that'd be no problem at all. And he said, well, now what if I put this two by four across the world trade center, you know, in New York city. So then, you know, uh, what, what, how would you react then? And he said, so basically, um, he said, but the super bowl is nothing short of this. You know, this is we know that we can beat these guys basically any given Sunday and we can beat them, you know, if we're just practicing. We know we can beat these guys, but uh, it's just the hype around this game. Don't basically don't let that get to you and just play your best football. And I I thought that was really cool. Um, I love how he held his players accountable. And a lot of people, you know, they didn't really and some of his players even they didn't really love Jimmy. He was kind of a, a hard ass. Jimmy was not, um, he was no Pete Carroll, that's for sure. I mean, he was not a player's coach. Um, you know, especially down in Texas, training camp, late July, August. I mean, guys got, you know, violently ill running some of the sprints and exercises he had them do. Um, and especially he was uh, a real taskmaster that 
second year, 93, that second Super Bowl when Emmett Smith was holding out. And obviously that was a huge distraction and they started off 0-2. And, and apparently from talking to some of the guys, that was, you know, the hardest um, string of practices they've ever had in their lives that September 93, just because the team was really underachieving, you know what I mean? And um, there was so much talk over there, a so-so operation without Emmett. And, you know, I mean, Jimmy was just the right culture fit for this team. And um, I think going into that Super Bowl 27 that you mentioned, yeah, I mean, you know, the, the Cowboys were getting ridden off um, by a lot of the pundits and the media. And it was a lot of bulletin board material that proved to be really helpful for, um, you know, lighting a fire under them. And, you know, the Super Bowl, it was just in Pasadena. Michael Jackson was doing the halftime thing. Garth Brooks was performing the national anthem. There were going to be, you know, over 100 million people watching on television. And, you know, some of these guys had just been playing in college. It was a pretty young team. Um, so, yeah, you know, I, I think just being able to put it in that context was was certainly helpful. And, and like I said, just the fact that no one was really expecting them to be here right now. They still thought they were a year or two away. I right. think that was certainly extra motivation for them. Absolutely. And again, I just, I, I love that type of coaching, I guess, cause it's, it's what I grew up with, you know, in, in Texas playing football. I mean, they just ran you until you puked basically. And yeah. it was brutal, but I respected it and I respected those coaches and I wanted to play my ass off for them. And they kind of earned my respect. And that was, you know, that's a lot harder to do with grown men as opposed to, you know, young boys. So, um, right. of course, he didn't have that many fans. But I, I, you know, I really enjoyed that. And I, I almost wish, like, as a Cowboys fan now that we would have something like that. Um <laughs> And I mean, and, the, and I'm going to kind of bring it to present day, um, but he actually did. He said before uh, the Cowboys pregame um, a, a little while back that he would he would keep Dak Prescott, pay Dak Prescott a contract and draft a first round pick uh, quarterback as well. So <laughs> I wasn't on board. I'm like, okay, this is not the nineties again. Let's not do this with, you know, going through the whole Troy Eggman and uh, what was it? Walsh. Steve Walsh. Yeah. yeah. A whole deal. Like, like that. I don't think that was the right move then Jimmy. I don't think it's the right move now. <laughs> well, it's interesting because Butch Davis, who was the defensive line coach in 92 and then, got bumped up to defensive coordinator in 93, was telling me when we spoke for this book, you know, there were some times during practice, they did like a two-minute drill, and you would have thought like the, you know, the Super Bowl was in the line. There was that kind of intensity where he had the ones going up against the ones, and, you know, he just loved competition, and it, it kind of, I don't know, it kind of just sifted through the organization, um, that emphasis on competition every day of the week, whether it was practice or, or mini camp, you know, in the summer. Right. Well, so um, the um, so one of my favorite players is is Michael Irvin. Yeah, and I just I love the type of motivation, the energy, the passion, the fire that he brings. Uh, he's just got that dog mentality, and I've always loved that about him. That's what made him my favorite player. And you know, to hear in the book about him, the way that he practiced and that he basically just he would throw up mid run on a route and continue his route and catch the football. And like, it was nothing yep. that is so crazy to me. I love, I love hearing that. 
So yeah, it's unbelievable. He um so after he gets drafted at the University of Miami, he of course played for Johnson in Miami. Um, you know, he blows out his knee. I want to say in '89. Hardly plays that season, and you know, it's kind of a question of not when he will come back, but if for you know a wide receiver to have that kind of devastating in- injury. Excuse me, and he he really worked his tail off and. Um, you know, obviously when he came back and he becomes one of the more prolific receivers in the game, and you know, I just don't think anyone in the league worked as hard as that guy did. Um, while there were a ton of off-field issues, <laughs> it goes without saying that this guy, just his work ethic was just at another level. Yes, absolutely. It's, you know, I read, uh, I read in um, the, uh, the Boys Will Be Boys, uh, but Oh, sure. Yeah, I'm losing here by Jeff Perlman. Um, yeah, I mean, that book was uh, one of the most interesting um, football books I've read in a long, long time. It really um, provides a great, um, you know, behind the scenes look at that Cowboys not, whole 90s dynasty, not just the 93 season. Right. But it really kind of gets into a lot of the characters like Irvin, um, obviously Emmett Aikman, but also Charles Haley and, you know, how the Cowboys were able to get him so cheaply in uh, spring, excuse me, um, in training camp in 92, they get him from the 49ers for kind of pennies on the dollar because the Niners felt like they had no choice but to get rid of him, despite him being such a menace, you know, on the defensive line. And, you know, it's just, it's really interesting uh, how he kind of fits into the Dallas culture and, you know, he has to adjust and then how he perceives Jerry Jones kind of favoring a, a white player such as Aikman over a fellow superstar such as Smith, who is, of course, black. And, and just that whole dynamic, I think, is really fascinating. Yeah, it definitely was. Um, and, you know, just to go back to Aikman, or I'm sorry, to, to go back to uh, Irvin and the part of that book where they he talked about um, he basically almost <laughs> killed another player, uh, stabbed yeah. him. Uh, that was, you know, it just, just to bring out like the, what, like what those players went through at that time and who they were as people. And, you know, a lot of people then referred them to as like the cocaine cowboys, you know, <laughs> uh, just cause it was so much of the off field activity right. that was going on and they were almost, uh, impossible to control and the kind of the stardom kind of got to them. And it, it was really the kind of part of the downfall of that team obviously um the things with the problems with uh, jimmy johnson and jerry jones and um you know that that was another interesting thing too as far as jerry jones's contribution to this team and the ego that he had and also the ego that jimmy johnson had and and how they handled that um how did you how did you kind of perceive that? I mean, I, I know this goes beyond ninety three, but yeah. Well, it's interesting because after they win Super Bowl twenty eight in Atlanta in um, January ninety four, you know the the you know, like the consensus around the league is these guys are young. You know, they're not going anywhere, right? Yes. Um, every year they're beating the Forty ers which people consider the real Super Bowl. Um, the Packers are still too young. You know, Brett Favre is only in his early mid twenties, right? So right. I, I think the the general consensus was this is a dynasty that's going to really last well into the nineties. But you know, lo and behold, um, during the March, you know, the owners' meetings in Orlando, weeks later, uh, they have this huge blow up. Johnson and Jones do, and you know, it's over. And um, there's kind of this 
you know, mutual, I forget the phrasing, they said a mutually agreed upon divorce. Um, and basically, you know, they, Johnson got this, you know, kind of uh, left with a golden parachute, a $2 million buyout, whatever the, it was. And, you know, he left and um, it was just kind of unfathomable a few months ago that there would be this breakup after, you know, they went back to back Super Bowls. And um, and then, you know, his successor, Barry Switzer, comes in and and he is just not a good match for this team. And it's it's really interesting because I think a lot of the guys, certainly the big three, you know, Aikman, um, Smith and Irvin, you know, really kind of distressed him. And they kind of feel like he's sabotaging everything that Johnson had, um, you know, worked so hard to implement. But of course, he does lead them to a Super Bowl the next year. Yeah, yeah, and that's interesting too because the rest of Jimmy Johnson's career with with Miami did not go like the way that I think anybody thought it was gonna go. Um, so that that was um, no, it didn't, didn't. Yeah, yeah, that was definitely another interesting. And thing. that's why it, it took him a long time to get into the Hall of Fame. Yes, um, yeah, and then yeah. he was coaching Jacksonville too for a little bit. Uh, so another thing that I found interesting too, and I had no idea about this, but um, so Ken Norton's uh, father was a professional boxer. I had no idea about that. That's right. Yep. And they had like somewhat of a um, yeah a strange relationship, right? They did. Yeah. So a year um, before they won Super Bowl twenty seven. He got married, uh, and his father did not attend the wedding. And apparently it was an issue over um, – his father did not care for the fact that he married a white woman. And they had this massive fight before the wedding. He never came – went to the wedding. And they hardly talked, you know, for months after that and so on and so forth. And didn't go to any games during the 92 season. And then, you know, his son's playing in the Super Bowl and um, in Pasadena. And, of course, he lives like an hour's drive away, and, and he doesn't show up. and. It just so happens that day that Ken Norton Jr. has a monster game. He returns a fumble for a touchdown. He's part of this defense that accounts for nine turnovers. And, you know, it's kind of sad. His, his dad, who lives so close and such a phenomenal athlete himself, of course, didn't actually get to see him. Um, so, you know, it's just kind of an interesting side story there. And, you know, a lot of people don't realize, um, maybe younger sports fans, you know, just how prominent a boxer he was back in the day. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I, I was I was shocked. I didn't know. And I actually, when I read your book, I, I had to do a little bit of research on it because it, it did. It, it shocked me that he was, you know, he was a, a not he was a great boxer. So it wasn't like he was just, you know, this, you know, semi-professional boxer or something. He was actually, you know, a pro boxer. So, yeah, that, that was definitely interesting. Um, So, yeah, there's there's. There's so many things to dive into with this book, but I wanted to ask you what what was your favorite chapter in this book? What what was the I guess the the thing that you were just you loved to write about more than any of the other chapters? Well, I'll tell you what. Obviously, I'm going to say the Cowboys chapter, but um, you know, it really <laughs> was fascinating. And I'll say one particular part of the chapter really stands out to me, and that was. I had a pretty long interview with James Washington, who was a safety on that team, and he absolutely kind of stole the show in Super Bowl Twenty Eight. Um, for those of you who listened to this, you probably you know remember he returned a you know fumble for a touchdown, had an interception, um, yes. forced the fumble, and you know, he kind of just like 
was a stud, right? And Emmett, though, gets the MVP honors. So he was just had a very frank conversation when he, he just was loving going over his, you know, highlight reel that day. He was very impressive with how he remembered all the stats. And he was just very frank when he said, you know, I should have won MVP or at least a co-MVP. And you can just only imagine, like we mentioned Larry Brown earlier before this, and what it can do for a player's um, resume and, and profile to be a Super Bowl MVP. And, you know, I think he really felt like he got screwed right um, by the fact that he didn't get this super bowl mvp um and i think he also <laughs> felt like the year before in pasadena he went to school at ucla so this was on his own old stomping grounds but he kind of yeah he had a turnover it was the first one in interception but he kind of was the forgotten man there so you know he was just a lot of these interviews sometimes they're full of cliches and guys aren't telling you how they really feel but i, I really kind of thought this was an exception yeah, yeah, you know, I thought that was interesting too because um just the way that, you know, how he had talked about how, you know, obviously the trio was like the big deal there, but you know, it it took away from the focus of like how really dominant the Cowboys defense was as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and especially like I said, nine turnovers in Super Bowl 27 is, you know, going to be a record that holds up for a long time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's crazy because, I mean, the, the most remembered are obviously the, 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 the trio. So um, but if you really go back to it, there there were so many great defensive players on that team, and obviously Hall of Fame players. Um, and, you know, I, we haven't really had a good safety here since probably Woodson. So um, right. it's been it's been a drought and I miss it. And I wish Jerry was listening to this right now because we could really use one. It's been, I mean, Roy Williams, we did have, um, uh, towards our early two thousands and he did do a good job too, but, uh, yeah, not nowhere near as dominant as, as, as Woodson was. And, and there's just, again, there's just so many talented players on this defense with the Charles Haley. And then, then you bring in, you know, Deion Sanders and I mean, how can you not love Deion Sanders, man? Yeah. Right. Well, it's about Deion, of course, is he had, um, he was on the 49ers and they had beaten right. the Cowboys in the conference championship game in 94. And then he goes, you know, to the other side and, um, which is any one Super Bowl with them, obviously against Pittsburgh. Yes. So, yeah, I, you know, and I'd always kind of wondered like his relationship, uh, with the Cowboys players because, um, just from him going to such a rival in the 49ers to that Cowboys team, I wondered how like he got along with some of those Cowboys players. He, if I recall, and again, this wasn't part of the 93 book, he was still in Atlanta, but he got some massive contract from Jones um, in 95. I want to say it was like 35 mil for five years, somewhere around there. Yeah. Um, which I think at the time was kind of a landmark contract for a defensive player. Definitely. Definitely. It was so, uh, you know, another uh, chapter I wanted to bring up was Montana's last stand. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, with Montana, I think it's like if someone were to write a sports book about 2020 and God knows who'd want to write about that, but um, you'd probably want a chapter in there about Brady, you know, reviving his career in Tampa. And I think with Montana going to Kansas city in 93, it's kind of similar, right? In the sense it's this legendary quarterback who's kind of getting nudged out, right? And he's going to 
a different conference and kind of reviving his career. Obviously, it's a little different because Montana was six years younger. He was 37. And the other big difference is just he hadn't really played in the past two years. In 91, he didn't play at all. In 92, he, he hardly played. He just played in like a half a game because, uh, of course, Steve Young had taken over. Whereas Brady, you know, is kind of left New England still on top, relatively speaking. He had just won a Super Bowl and, you know, went to the playoffs last year. So, um, yeah. you know, it's interesting, you know, what Montana did. And um, he didn't play in every game in, ni- in 93. He didn't necessarily have a great year. But, um, you know, just dealing with all those injuries and, and like I said, um, being able to lead comeback games, um, you know, against Pittsburgh and Houston in the playoffs was pretty fascinating. Okay, so this is a a side question, and I just feel like it has to be asked now because yeah. you are a Patriots fan. Yeah. <laughs> Who is the GOAT, man? Is it Montana or is it Brady? Honest opinion. Well, I think just in terms of Super Bowls, it's got to be Brady, right? Right. Um, so in the short answer is is Brady. I think the long answer, though, is it's so hard to tell because the league, it's so different, right? When yes. Montana was a star in the 80s. It's, you know, you can't compare in terms of free agency, salary cap, the way the game's officiated, how defensives play. Um, the game's become such a more passing-oriented game, as you know. So I think it's virtually impossible to compare them. But in terms of just, you know, the career numbers and victories and the Super Bowl rings, I mean, obviously, I think on paper, the edge would have to go to Brady. Yeah, and I, I can understand that. And I, I can also understand the other side of it as far as, um, you know, just being from when, whenever, whatever era is your time, you know, that, that is where you find, you know, what, whatever that, it, for instance, the Cowboys for me is always going to be, you know, one of the greatest teams because I grew up in that era and yes, I'll root for other teams or other players and, you know, wish them well. But to me, because that was my error, like the Cowboys were untouchable then. Right. So, um, Right. I, I could see how other people like, would feel that way about running back. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. to this day. And I, I think Emmett's the best running back ever. Yeah. And I mean, a, a um, lot of people will argue too, that he was, you know, almost kind of like Zeke is now, obviously not comparing Zeke to, to Emmett Smith, even close, but, um, he 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 was a workhorse, man. He racked up a lot of yards. He wasn't. Yeah. He was he was a quick guy, but he would beat you down. I mean, physically, mentally, like he would just wear on a team. And I, I loved that. I always loved that about his game. So how do you feel like so to me, the 90s, it was obviously because I'm a Cowboys fan. It was all about the Cowboys, but also it was all about Michael Jordan, man, MJ. I mean, I'm either you're either seeing like Bulls jerseys or you're seeing Cowboys starters jackets. Like that was the greatest time in the world for me or for many sports fans. Um, how did you how was it writing MJ's chapter? How, how did that feel for you? Yeah, it's funny because every kid who's, or every adult, I should say, who's under like the age of 40, between ages 25 and 40, it's like their favorite number is 23, right? For that reason, Jordan. Yeah, I mean, you know, it was great reliving, you know, those games against Barkley in the 93 finals, um, against the Knicks, you know, the conference finals. I think, you know, the thing with Jordan in 93 was it was really a fascinating year in the sense that. There were several traumatic events that happened, most notably his father dying that summer, of course, and then him leaving the game, which, again, was just unfathomable. 
um, even weeks or months before the announcement. And, you know, the gambling had come out. And um, it was just, again, I, I think such an interesting, a pivotal year in his life. And I, I think I really tried to show that in the book that, you know, yeah, 91 and 92 were obviously very important years. They won championships. He was playing in the Dream Team in 92. But by 93, I think he really cemented his status as not only the greatest basketball player ever, but probably the most popular athlete in the world uh, coming off the Dream Team and, again, obviously winning a third title. Um, so I, I really do. And then, of course, it's like, you know, he leaves and then he comes back. So it's like the end of the first half of his career is 93. Yes, definitely. And, um, you know, it's it's kind of hard being in Houston, too, because poor Houston, <laughs> Houston sports. Um, you know, obviously you have the Astros, and, you know, what what they did. Uh, but so that, well, the fact that Jordan took a sabbatical. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that, and that's exactly well, that's what we hear Black, too. Open the door for them to win two titles. Exactly, and that is always the argument here. Is is because I am a Rockets fan, so that's that's always the argument. Oh well, y'all wouldn't have won it if you know if Jordan hadn't left the league. <laughs> <laughs> so that still hurts. That still hurts. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So um, overall. Such a great book. Thank you so much for joining the show. Um, just let everybody know where they can find your book, where they can purchase it, and uh, any more other information you have as far as your website or a Twitter account or or so on and so forth. Yeah, so you can follow me on Twitter at Ostrowski Author. Um, that's O-S-T-R-O-W-S-K-Y, for those of you unfamiliar with the spelling. Uh, the book Pro Sports 93. In 1993, can be found on Amazon, um, as well as barnesandnoble.com. And, um, yeah, I really appreciate coming on. It was so great talking to you about sports, about the 90s, about the Cowboys, little Jordan and Montana. Um, I really did enjoy it, and hopefully things turn around for you guys soon, because, as we all know, it's such a great, 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 great sports city, Dallas, and certainly for football. Yes, yes, definitely. Thank you so much. It was my it was pleasure. Awesome having you on. And yes, I definitely recommend this book. That's Pro Sports in 1993. Make sure that you guys add that book to your Christmas shopping list. Purchase, read it. Great book. Definitely recommend it. And that is all the time that we have on today's episode. Of course, make sure to check us out at Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Listen, like and subscribe.